0: This is episode 23 of the Inspired Energy Podcast with Murray Guest. In this episode, I'm catching up with Becky Hammond, an amazing strengths coach and a very good friend of mine. Becky is based in Phoenix in uh, America, and we catch up and talk about a whole range of things from strengths-based culture through to strengths-based parenting and exploring a range of topics like we always do when we catch up. So I met Becky when I jumped on a bus at the very first Clifton Strength Summit. It was one of those shuttle buses from the hotel three years ago Um, and it just so happened that Becky was on the same shuttle bus and we got chatting and connecting and have developed a really strong friendship since. We talk regularly about strengths and how we can support each other in our businesses and we've been working recently on a very cool project which we're launching soon and more about that in the near future. Becky is the founder of Asogo Strong and lives and breathes her company's mission of fueling life-changing stories through the power of your unique and brilliant strengths. Becky is a true strengths professional and looks to provide opportunities in the organization she works with and her parenting approach and also her couples program for people to be their best selves through focusing on their strengths. Uh, In this chat, we talk about a whole range of things, as I said, including why one-on-one time is so important with our children, and how we also need to, as leaders, create a safe space in conversations to happen. And even more so, in cultures, create a safe space for people to put their hand up and say, I made a mistake. And we also explore some of Becky's best advice for new leaders as well. This is a great conversation. I love catching up with my dear friend, Becky Hammond. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did in catching up with Becky. Um, so here we go with episode 23 and Becky Hammond. Good morning, Becky, welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. It is very much not morning though.
0: Uh, no, not for you, for me it is, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's early and that's okay. You are yeah. in Arizona.
1: That's right. That is our current abode.
0: the The other day, you were telling me it was one hundred and twelve Fahrenheit.
1: Yeah, and what did we decide? That was like forty four or something yeah. Celsius.
0: Forty four point four Celsius in my language. Now, uh-huh. do you actually leave the house at all when it's that <laughs> hot? What, what do you do?
1: <laughs> I compare it to how people live through winters because you know when you live through winter you go from your like heated house to your heated car to your heated office or mall or whatever and then in Arizona growing up we would just go from our air conditioned house to our air conditioned car to the air conditioned mall or school or wh- whatever it was so you only had to bear the heat for a little while and otherwise you're completely spoiled and burning tons of energy and spending lots of money on electricity so uh, that's just how we, that's how we make it through
0: so what is it like raising children in a area where it's that hot constantly?
1: <laughs> you know what? We just, we just moved actually. So we just moved from DC, which has the humidity heat, uh, to Arizona backwards because it's our hometown and we, they are not sad at all. They love it because one other way to, uh, one more economical way to get out of the heat is to go swimming and we have a pool. So they're in the pool every day and it doesn't seem to bother them. Like today, David took them to the library, air conditioned, in the car, air conditioned, coming back. They will go swimming after they rest for a little while and um, they are on cloud nine. So it actually, it works out quite well and they're becoming good little swimmer athletes.
0: Fantastic. And Arizona as a area to live, yeah. um, what, what was it like growing up in?
1: <laughs> it is true that you can bake a cookie on your dashboard. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we tested that, uh, it, took a, it takes a very long time because it does. never gets above like 200 and I don't know, 25 or 250
0: degrees. So, so I've heard the story that you can cook an egg on an engine block as you're driving, but this uh, is, you're saying on the actual dashboard, it's that hot.
1: Uh, yeah, on the dashboard. So you can put a cookie sheet with some cookie dough on it and it eventually will get cooked. It does. It's not like as fast as if you had your oven at regular temperature, but uh, it does. It happens. So, you know, it's all the things you get to experiment with. All the the myths and the legends, uh, you actually get to to uh, experiment with those there and see if they really come true.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah. I'll, I'll visit you
1: <laughs> in December.
0: <Yes. laughs> I, I, yeah, it'll be cooler then. I think. Yeah, yeah. Much. Much. So, um, you are a very passionate strengths coach, facilitator, enthusiast liver. I would say you live strengths like I do. Um, Mm -hmm. and I realized how much I live strengths the other day when, um, we were driving along and my youngest Elliot 10 goes, Oh, I wonder what strengths they have.
1: Oh, you have, you have succeeded.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So one part of me went inside. Yes. And the other part went, oh, am I talking about this too much? I went, more. Well, do, do you, is that your house is similar?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, our oldest is eight. So we have eight, six, four, two, and one on the way. So we'll have, you know, two, four, six, eight. Who do you appreciate? Plus an extra. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're just, they're just starting. It. I mean, so we do this uh, thing. This is actually based on David's relator strength for sure. I wouldn't have occurred to me, but. I love it, which is every Thursday morning, David and I rotate taking one kid to, uh, to breakfast. And one of my main focuses in a natural way is to bring up the awesomeness that I see in them, the uniqueness Mm -hmm. that I see that, that their brothers and their sister don't have, that mama and daddy don't have, that their friends don't have, that it's just unique to them. Um, and so they're, they're starting. No, no one has said what, no one has walked down the street and said, I wonder what that person's strengths are quite yet. But I would say that would be a goal of mine. I should make that a new goal that our kids would spontaneously talk about strangers on the street and what their strengths might be based on what they see of their behavior and, um, and what's coming out of them. Because I certainly, I, I certainly believe in it and think that it really, in some ways saved my parenting. I think I would be a totally different, no, no, I don't think I would be an entirely different parent if not for the strengths perspective and being able to bring that into my parenting as a tool.
0: Yeah. I know what you do beautifully. And so in in such an inspiring way is um, it's beyond the labels of strengths. It's about what's right, what's strong, Mm -hmm. what's good, the appreciation of the difference in people and in your, in your children. And I just want to go back also. So, you and David, as parents, have yep. like a a date with one of your children on a solo, yeah, um, sort of outing every Thursday.
1: Yep, that um, is
0: true. That that is such a beautiful strategy.
1: You know, we realize uh, David. It, it all spawned. Well, for first of all, David's dad used to take him to breakfast. Him and his sister, they would rotate. So this is, you know, something that comes from legacy.
0: Mm. But
1: it's also he was talking to a a child or not a child, an adult who was a child of many siblings and kind of felt like her, their parents didn't have enough time for them. And that just broke our hearts to hear that. And to think that our kids could somehow experience that or feel that started to make us a little panicky and nervous. And so we just said, you know what, we just, no matter how busy we are no and what's going on, we just need to make sure that we have a time that, you know, Experiences are the best gifts. I'm sure you've heard about that, and I, I actually I know that you live that as well. Experience is the best gift, not only because the experience it's itself, but because there's an anticipation of the experience, there's the experience, and then there's remembering the experience. So the whole entire gift goes on for you know from from future to present to past, and um what we've realized is that 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 has happened even just with these breakfast dates. I mean, I just got back from a breakfast date yesterday with Tamer and Cyrus is already talking about how it's his next and he's thinking about where he wants to go with Daddy next week. Mm. You know, and so it just it's created a really um amazing time for us to be able to make sure that we're speaking truth into their lives, that we're asking them questions that we wouldn't otherwise stop to to ask them and um that they can ask us questions that they can you know, I, we hope it develops into even as they, you know, as they grow, that they, it's a safe place. That they know. Well, at least I'm going to get that time, and let's, you know, let's have com- the conversation that matters then. And there's a space for it.
0: It's a shame they're not allowed to talk to you for the rest of the week. I mean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly uh, i did recently learn that i i don't like interruptions and not that i didn't know that but i had permission to own that uh, i took the colby assessment have you yeah uh, yeah,
0: that? yeah long, i took it some time ago but um yes i do remember
1: yeah so it's about it's all about striving strengths it's like not what you will and won't do but what you um no no it's about what you it's not what you can and can't do it's what you will and won't do mm. and um Anyway, one of the things, I don't know how it got to it, but it said, you are going to be particularly disturbed by interruptions. So don't, you know, don't feel ashamed of having to put up a don't interrupt me sign. And I just looked at David and just broke into laughter because those those, <laughs> those have been some of our moments. Um, so, no, I do allow our kids to interrupt me. And in fact, they have forever permission to interrupt. I think I think that's what you do when you decide you're going to be a parent. Is Oh, just-
0: that's right. I totally agree. <laughs> is this one of those questions that um, that you have in your pack, which I love of your pack of cards. What does someone do that you get annoyed at, but you secretly also wonder if you do it yourself. So is that your interruption? Is that the thing that you maybe get annoyed by other people and you go, Oh, do I do that to people as well?
1: Uh, I don't know. I'm so sensitive to it. Maybe. I mean, the other day I was talking to you. With another partner of ours, Lisa, and um, you mentioned that you haven't been able to get a word in Edgewise. So perhaps maybe I do do that. Do that <laughs> and I need to uh, bring some awareness to that a little bit more. I'm going to be thinking about that one.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm want to take a bit of a leap here from the dates with children. So that one-on-one time, let's call it with yep. um, with our children, and we do something similar, but um, we. We've uh, haven't done it as regularly as you, but it's that going away for a small vacation with mm. one of our children and just, oh, wow. and cause they're a bit older than yours. It's, that's um, a bit exciting, but I want to extend that to leaders and leaders within organizations. And I know that you've worked mm. with lots of different companies and I'm just thinking about how that, that one-on-one time with people that you lead mm. and leaders creating that time, being accessible, being approachable, and how important that is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I would say that's beyond the the first number one factor of being an effective leader or effective manager, which is just individualizing your approach. So there's not a one, just as there's not a one-size-fits-all to parenting, there's not a one-size-fits-all to to managing each person. And I'm not just saying, you know, there's not a one size fits all to manager. I'm saying there's not a one size fits all even for you and each person that you manage. So that individualizing step I think is really important. And then um, quickly followed on, closely followed by meaningful one-on-one time. And I mean, I'm I'm a culprit for sure because I have high achiever in the finder language. I have a I'm very task oriented. That's what that means. And so I, I'm the one that's like, oh, do we really need to have that meeting? Even when the meeting comes up with um, my teammate Annie, I'm like, well, we met last week. Do <laughs> we? probably don't need to meet again, right? So, but I have drilled it into myself, and therefore I feel comfortable drilling it into my clients as well at every level, no matter what your talents are. That that one-on-one time, it just, it's a, it, it can become if we do it right, a safe place for those conversations to happen that need to happen. Um, And if you're not having them regularly, just like with our kids, if you're not having them regularly, then when it comes time to give uh, corrective feedback, or you need to say, ah, that just didn't quite hit the mark, you're not going to have what you need. You're not going to have the foundation that you need. They're not going to know that you appreciate them for the talents that they do bring for the strength that they do bring. Um, and, so, and a conversation that's hard is going to be even harder because there is no foundation built. Um, if you've been shanking your one-on-one time with them.
0: Yeah. And, and what I think about with that one-on-one time, there's the formal let's sit down, let's catch up. How are you going on your work? But what about the one-on-one time, which is a cup of coffee and being very present and connecting and, and knowing what is going on in that person's life that you lead to, to a degree of what is okay within the work environment. But that you are, as you said, building those relationships and building the foundation so that when it does um, maybe come sometimes to those tougher conversations, that there's a depth of the relationship there so that it's easy to have those conversations.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um when I was managing, I was I my background's in healthcare marketing and pretty quickly I had a team under me and uh some of our most valuable times were those times that I said, "Okay, I'm meeting you at Subway <laughs> or whatever and we're going to we're going to uh, let let's let's just chat." And I always had, I mean, because I'm goal oriented, I always had something that I really wanted to make sure that we got through, but I reminded myself and I had to, I mean, I had to basically put a system in place for the way I'm wired to say, you know, let's let's talk first about how things are going with your fiance and, oh yeah, remember your pipe broke three weeks ago. How did that turn out? And how was everything, how was everyone feeling about that? Um, and just the power of that really, it, it helps it makes it so that then, when tough time come, tough times come, uh, when I need something from them that's extra beyond what they usually do, we have a rapport built, um, and and it's not like just the strategic manipulation. It's a true care, you know, a true care for who they are, what they bring, and then understanding that we're not we're not siloed people. And I'm really I'm pretty passionate about that that we are we are people who cannot separate our home lives from our work lives. It both follow us into both places. And so um, understanding and knowing that about the people that report to us, the people that we have the privilege to lead, um, just it paves a path for more productive work together um, because you trust each other and you're willing to, to show up for each other.
0: Mm. Um, I totally agree with um, that separation doesn't exist. You know, mm-hmm. We're not robots, are we? No, no. And, and how we
1: <laughs> sometimes I wish we were. Let me just you like that. But,
0: but but no, I, and I think, well, I actually think it's still the the sense of that people think that, um, unfortunately, in some organisations or some leaders, that that people are numbers as opposed mm-hmm. to that they are people doing a job, and that they have a life, and a, a, as part of that life, there's the ups and downs, and. A part of being a leader is actually embracing that and acknowledging that and being there and supporting people to help them through whatever's going on in their life. It's not about being the the mom, the dad, the coach, the mentor, everything, but being there as a leader to support them in a way that helps them do their work, but also know that you care about them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And by knowing that you care about them helps them do their work. I mean, that's the that's the beauty of it. It's not It's not like a segmented thing in your leadership either. You know, it's not like, well, this is my time to reflect on how well my people are doing at home, and I know that then they'll know I care about them. No, it's like, well, you you put you put it in throughout. They know you care about them, and so it impacts the way they they show up at work too. So, I mean, it, it. we we sense it. I think we sense it a little bit more the opposite direction. Like, I had a bad day at work. It's going to affect how my evening goes. But we don't think about it. I think as much as often as easily, we don't attribute it as much. Like, I you know, I slept on the the couch last night <laughs> because we had an argument. So that's going to show up in how you know, and in, in the way I show up at work today. So I think just kind of allowing people to to be real people. At, it's a hard thing to do, especially when you're this task oriented driver type person um, uh, that I'm very familiar with, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to do, but it's, it's also uh, just not only caring for humanity, but so worth it from a business perspective.
0: So as a leader in uh, the medical, in, in the healthcare industry, sorry, what did you, yeah. what, what are some of your biggest lessons? So when you reflect on that time, what stands yeah. out to you as a, uh, something that you really got as uh, that yeah. being a leader?
1: I think, um, you've heard of the imposter syndrome, right?
0: Oh, I live it every day. Just some degree.
1: <laughs> I'm intimately familiar. And I think at that time, um, you know, I was, I, I think one of the things that I, I learned is I don't think it's unique to healthcare. It's not, but it's unique, uh, to leaders who are just starting out, which is, you know, I, I should, there's a lot of shoulds, like shoulding all over yourself, right? Like I I should be better at this than I am. I should um, know how to do this. This shouldn't take me so much time. Um, And I think I could start telling myself a story about my effectiveness and the way that I overcame that was just by working more. And so for me, the learnings along the way as I was in healthcare marketing and then in management and then in executive management. Like I just it has a lot more to do with my own personal growth and awareness to what I was doing to try to overcome this imposter syndrome, this idea that you're not good enough. That's basically the imposter syndrome. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, and and knowing and combating that and knowing that that's it's not true. It's just we uh we're all on a place in our journey, um and we can reach out to get help. we can um give ourselves a little bit more grace and just in my particular situation, just by working more isn't gonna make you feel better I mean, I guess I suppose I thought it did, but looking back, it didn't do anything, it didn't accomplish anything, and as soon as I left, they changed everything anyway, so it was all a waste. <laughs> so did,
0: did you have that um breakthrough moment whilst you were still in the role or? Um, since being in that role?
1: No, it was not in the role. I think I was blinded by, I was blinded to the corporate culture, which was in retrospect, quite horrible. I was blinded to um, what I was doing to contribute to that, you know, as a leader and being, you know, someone who was working all hours of the day. Um, And then uh, I also was only on the beginning David and I were reflecting about this just yesterday actually at that point it was really only on the beginning of my true self-awareness journey. and um, so I don't I barely even had the tools to look at myself from an external perspective and say, "Wow, you could be contributing to how miserable." this is right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You are, you have a part in this. Um, and I didn't at the time I, I, I knew my, I knew my strengths and I knew my uh, strength finder strengths. I was trying to help others live through their strengths, but I did not see the impact that they were having in a negative way. I could see the positive things, but I couldn't see how they were impacting in a negative way. Um, the way that I showed up and, um, and kind of worked hard to try to battle against these toxic voices that really didn't have any truth in them. Um, but I thought they did.
0: So if you um, met someone that was like you back in those days, that was new to a role as um, full of all the shoulds, oh, I should be doing, working harder. I should be showing up, um, getting more done and mm-hmm. feeling that imposter syndrome. What would you say to them?
1: <laughs> I've thought about this before. I, sadly, I feel like there's almost nothing that anyone could say at that point that would have really changed my mind because I didn't have an openness enough to the filters and lenses and perspectives of somebody else that they could be, not that other people couldn't speak truth. Cause I certainly during that time also had other areas of personal growth where people were speaking truth into my life in a way that I didn't, I hadn't, I didn't see, but in terms of maybe just because it was so such a dominant talent for me, dominant pattern of thought, feeling and behavior. Uh, I don't, it would have been really hard for someone to get through. Um, so I have thought about that before of what, what would I say? What would I do? And I think the only thing that ended up helping me was um, really understanding and knowing who I was um, through what was right about me instead of what was wrong about me. Um, I knew I wasn't the socialite and I wasn't going to be the one that was in all the gossip and the rumors as I was out marketing with physicians. I, I but I felt self conscious of that. Well, why don't I like just barging in on people? Why do I need to have a a schedule or a plan or a reason to show up somewhere? Well, because that's the way I'm wired, and that's that's okay. <laughs> and I so I think if I were going back, or if I'm just talking to you know people who are 23, 24, 25 years old right now who have the opportunity to be um, in a leadership role right off the bat in your career. Uh, just how important that role of of self awareness is, and not just like oh I took an assessment, but really, you know, finding finding a coach, finding uh, somebody to help keep you accountable, even if it's a spouse or uh, a best friend, to say let's let's see where some of these things are showing up beautifully, and let's concentrate there, and then let's see if there's places where you're already frustrated. What could you be adding to that based on based on these good things about you that you might be dialing up a little bit too. Too high, or in some cases, not showing up at all. So uh, I think I think that's that's where I would start. But I would that person who was me would be a tough cookie to crack. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I need to put you on the dashboard. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Melt me a little bit, please. Yeah.
0: Um. So what I'm hearing from that is it's know yourself, yeah. but also additionally around that ownership of what you're contributing to what's going on. So that's self-awareness. And and I guess what comes off that too is vulnerability. Having, mm-hmm. having a bit of vulnerability to say, put your hand up. Sorry, we'll say and put your hand up. I, I own this. I, I own my contribution, my level of contribution to this. Um, and I want to do something about my contribution, which is creating this situation.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that, I mean, that's that's a hard place to get to. Yeah. I mean, once you understand your strengths, it's it's... It's hard to get to that place where you're saying, what story am I telling myself in my head? How have I contributed to that? What might I not be seeing that I need to ask about? Um, There's just, you have to open up, uh, open up a part of you. Like you said, vulnerability. There's also a humility there. That's not very, um, it's not very praised in our current society, you know, uh, 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 an willingness to admit what what you're not good at um is 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 not something that's looked very highly upon in the upper echelons of the largest organizations in the world so uh,
0: i was talking to a leader yesterday and we have a a weekly check-in and i was just chatting to him about the importance of creating a culture where it's safe for people to put their hand up and say i've made a mistake Mm -hmm. and do that in a way that they don't feel they're going to be ridiculed, um, put down, laughed at, um, and in a way that it's safe to say I've made a mistake. I own it. How do we fix this? And how do we prevent it from happening again? Whatever that mistake may be big or small. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And just having that conversation about, well, then what does that culture look like now? And how do you create a culture where people feel okay and safe to do that? And say right. I'm not okay, or I've done something that's not okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and if you're at the very beginning of that journey, it's a long process. It's not mm. like it just happens overnight. Like, okay, everyone make an announcement. Now there's a safe place for you to make mistakes. You know, I mean, th- there's a lot of proofing that people will do in order to make sure that it really is a, a safe place to do that. Um, but it's so worth it in the end to to enable people to be real because then they show up with their full selves and the full selves is what's going to give you their best selves and that's what you want in your business
0: (laughs) yeah um and certainly what i think is important is and you and i've talked about this before what um you refer to the emotional templates
1: yes so Mm -hmm. based
0: on that experience this person will generate an emotional um reference to what happened and then apply that to the future events and thinking about Every time that that interaction happens, that template is going to be created subconsciously for the next time that something similar is going to happen. Yeah. So creating an emotional template which says, "Oh, my emotion says it's okay to put my hand up." By the way, I'm putting my hand up right now, but you can't see.
1: (laughs) You can't see. I can see, but (laughs) maybe someone else can see.
0: (laughs) But but making it okay to say, "Um, "I've made a mistake," but then how, how we answer in the split second when someone says that will didn't create that emotional template very solidly.
1: I know. And that's where as leaders, it's, it's hard to come off your gut reactions, especially if your gut reaction is like, what do you mean you messed up? Right? Like (laughs) what what do you, what do you mean you did? I I was very clear in my directions and you know, on what, what the project was, what do you mean you didn't get it? Um, And, you break down an emotional template a lot easier than you can rebuild it. And so Mm -hmm. uh, as a, as a leader, just kind of taking that pause sometimes is one of the, it's a very self-disciplined, hard thing to do, but it's also a fairly simple thing to teach yourself when you don't know what to say next, or you're, you know, you can feel yourself starting to boil a little bit that your reaction is not going to be the one that's going to create a positive emotional template in the, in the future.
0: And that's where, again, coming back to we are humans and we show up. And then, as a leader, if you've shown up in a way which is a little more stressed, fatigued, distracted, and you respond in a way that you're not proud of, it's then also owning that. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Um, uh, well, I, we say, I say it in parenting all the time, but it doesn't matter how many mistakes you make, as long as you ask for forgiveness every time. So, just understanding and owning your part as a parent or as a manager or as a spouse uh, it, it makes all the difference in how you're going to show up with each other the next time that you have to engage on something.
0: And I know that you have mentioned a couple of times already and it's something that you're so passionate about. It's about, you know, turning everything around to what's the benefit, what's the, what's right in this situation? What can we learn from this? Um, And you've brought that into um, the work with, Um the clients that you facilitate that you coach what's one of the the key messages that you try and get across when you run one of your workshops with teams around that
1: yeah you know i mean i think we've started we've been hitting on it a little bit already which is um we can make our relationships easier but it we have to start with what's with a perspective shift so i i I usually say something to the effect of, "If you don't take anything else away today, I want you to get this perspective. Because yes, the language, the Clifton Strengths language, is amazing. It's been life-changing for me. But the it it it's all on the foundation of um, changing our perspective. Just from saying we are, we are. It's drilled into us from an early age that we are supposed to be well-rounded. You know, we hold up the I uh." there's uh, There was an award in our high school that was called Mr. and Mrs. Olympian or Mr. and Miss Olympian oh, and basically okay. it was the person who was involved in everything and did well in everything
0: I just got an emotional template straight away off that one <laughs> <'Cause> that, <laughs> that's what I thought it meant, yeah
1: yeah, yep, exactly, and so I mean I, so by doing that and, you know, you have a full page spread in the yearbook and all the things that, you know, as a 17 year old, you're like, wow, it'd be amazing. That's the message that we're sending. Mm. We're sending the message of that if you're well-rounded, if you can do everything well, if you're an athlete, a musician, an artist, uh, a physicist, a calculus camp nerd um have read all the best jane austen and can you know and can dictate it back then then you will rise to the top but (laughs) what's what's true is that very few of us are good at a lot of things um, and most people are just exceptionally good at a few things. And so that's that's one of the things I just try to drive home in my in my workshops as I'm working with people or in my virtual coaching as I'm talking to moms and healthcare managers, is saying, is yes, we have we have Clifton strengths. That's a good tool. But what we need to start with is it's a perspective shift to saying what's right about you, not what's wrong about you. And switching from this idea that we're, we're like a circle, we're well-rounded like a circle and rather we are actually going to be most successful if we recognize that we're more like the shape of a star where our sharpest points are those, the points at the end of, of, of the star and that we're going to be most successful as we sharpen each of those points and not try to knock out all the dips in our star to try to become more like a circle Mm -hmm. because you'll be miserable in the process and you'll never get there. You'll be this like lumpy amoeba looking thing, (laughs) not very (laughs) star like and, uh, and certainly not any closer to a well-rounded circle um, because it's just not how we were made to be.
0: I love the link that you've um, talked us through, through that example of, bringing that self-awareness to ourselves. And then what's the new perception that we can have about ourselves and have about others and the benefit that then has to the relationships that we have, how yeah. that sort of comes around full circle.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Um, I want to talk a bit about collaboration. Okay. Um, let's
1: do it. Let's collaborate and,
0: on that. Well, let, let's collaborate on that. But <laughs> I, I think I need to quote the philosopher at this point, um, vanilla ice.
1: I was wondering where you're going with that.
0: (laughs) No, stop. Plato,
1: Socrates.
0: No, no, no. Stop, collaborate, and listen. Uh huh. I know someone
1: very well who knows every word to that song.
0: (laughs) I do with the right number of drinks. So
1: (laughs) it all comes flowing back, right?
0: It does. So collaboration is something which talks, sorry, gets talked about quite a lot in organizations. We need Mm -hmm. people to collaborate more within teams, across teams. And um, I, I do hear it a lot. I'm sure you do. Yep.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: And what I also know is that you and I have, are currently collaborating on a project and i um, very excited about. And I know that um, I'm proud of the way we have been collaborating. And I just wanted to take a moment to, to share what and to explore what you think and what I think um, are key to successful collaborating partners and partnerships.
1: Yeah, let's do it. it'll be like a a mini coaching encouragement session.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, why do you think collaboration's hard? (laughs) Uh,
1: Because there's people involved. (laughs) (laughs) And they're two different people, usually, unless you're collaborating with yourself, which I don't think counts.
0: No, it doesn't. um,
1: Yeah. There's people people involved. And yeah, it, our our stars are different, right? Like the the star metaphor, it's like your star has different points than my star, and so we're gonna show up differently and see things differently, and so that just makes it more challenging.
0: And then we've got all those stories and possibly emotional templates and maybe some imposter syndrome all coming to the table as well. Right. As part of being people. Right. And then maybe there's the perception of what collaboration really is.
1: Hmm. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, I think maybe some people think collaboration means that we get together and you do all the work and I just come up with the ideas, but then I feel like, then you might feel like, sorry, that you're doing all the work. Right. And it doesn't feel fair. Right. So then maybe it's coming back to when we look at those stars and those stars inside of us, which are our strengths how do we really collaborate from a strengths perspective so people get to use what makes them unique and what they bring to that partnership?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, isn't that one of our biggest questions that we get and actually people see the tool, they'll see a strengths team map um, and they'll say, Oh, like how do I actually use this information to collaborate better, to communicate better? Um, Because there's like an intuitive I see it all out there in front of me now. Like I never did before, but how, like, but how, how do we actually do it? Um, and I think that's that how question is the, if you can get to the bottom of that is the success of your collaboration or not.
0: I actually a year ago was working with a team <clears throat> and the leader of this team had the team strength grid, top five strengths of his team. And he lays that out in front of me. He said, so Murray, now tell me what work my team should be doing.
1: <laughs> yep. It's common, right?
0: <laughs> this was a finance team and I've never worked in finance. And I said, actually, that's not my job. That's, this is a template to help you look at what's the work that fits the strengths of your team members. I'm not here to tell you that how to get your people to do the work within um, whatever work it is that you do. Yeah. So it was again, that, how do I use it in a practical way? But um, I found that very interesting. It was like, now you tell me what work my client, my my team should do. I went, hmm, maybe that's, that's your job, not mine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, it speaks to the point that just by looking at a strengths grid, I mean, some strengths expert, a strengths coach who's trained could look at it and make some assumptions and some guesses, but really what you're doing is coming up with questions that you would ask people about what they do, how they work together, because, even a team with two teams with the exact same strengths of 10 different people, it, it, two different teams of 10 that had the exact same strength sets, they wouldn't operate in the same way because no, of right. all those other pieces that, they're, that you're bringing in beyond what your strengths are.
0: That's totally right. I, I, um, yeah, there's all those other elements which make people human, which they bring to the teams that they work in, and also their, their capabilities, their experiences, their, their skills, their knowledge.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah.
0: So collaborating, though, um, maybe it's also about how do we let go of the ego which comes with collaboration?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that, to me, when you say collaboration, one of the books that comes to my mind is the Gallup uh, organization press a Gallup press book and it's called uh, power of two and it was probably it's actually probably my favorite um, Gallup press book because I feel like it had just it speaks to the struggle but then also the power Well, power see it's in the name mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the power of what it what it's like when you truly can figure out how to work together and the two points that really stand out to me the most from that book are um, trust and fairness so if there's trust and if there's fairness, and there's a bunch of other ones too, but those are the ones that stood out to me as being the most important. If there's trust and if there's fairness, then you guys can, we could do anything together. Uh, you and I could do anything together. But if there's not trust and if there's not fairness, then it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna collapse. And um, I think ego has a lot to do with trust. Do we trust each other enough to um, to let there be space to say you do this well, I do this well, and so I don't have to prove that I can do what you're doing. And just because I'm doing the executing aspects of things, and you are the big picture idea guy, um, doesn't mean that we're doing any less. And 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 that's a hard it's a hard place to get to for sure because we've been trained that if we have if you are the one that has your hands on the deliverable, then you're the one that's been doing the most work. Um, but if you are the one who loves putting your hand on the deliverable, then it's not going to feel like, the, uh, you know, the most work. Hmm. And if you're the one who loves coming up with ideas and being the initiator and the spark, then that's, yeah, that's not going to feel like work to you either. So, um, I think it's that trust factor. Really, when that's built, it can start to take down that that ego piece and um, and 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 put that ego to the side and just have a space, an open door, a free, a freeness, some breath, some breathing room to be able to have real conversations about, you know, what you are really both contributing and what value you see in each other.
0: Well, the thing I I think about too, is that builds off trust and our partnership and something that you do, which I value is you hold me accountable. And I know when you are asking me (laughs) where am I up to have, have you done this? That, and I mean this in complete um, seriousness and, and openness that I know you're coming from a place of love for the project that we are working on, not to make me feel bad that you, uh, and I trust that you are coming from a place to say, where are you up to with this? Because we both want to get this to the next step.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think unfortunately when there's in organizations and these collaborations are happening in projects or in, Smaller teams or even pairs it's that fear that when you ask me where am I up to that you are taking a you know a mm-hmm. chink out of my arm and my ego that's and right. letting letting that go
1: yeah, yeah, and then there's a trust on both sides right because there's a, when i I laugh because you know you don't always want to be the one or I don't know in my perspective I don't always want to be the one that's like following up and making sure things are happening right but that's just it's just kind of how my mind works, and when i'm happen to be sitting there thinking about it then i think well i should probably mention it i've had enough conversations with people that said well why didn't you why didn't you mention it if you thought it you know it's like well because i didn't want to you know but there's a trust on my side too of you that says well i know you're you're working on this and getting it done so i'm just checking in because i happen to have these moments to to work on this project ourselves you know myself as well and so i'm thinking about it and want to make sure we're on the same page
0: do you have a moment or do you think, um, about a time when you gave up the need for being right?
1: (laughs) Uh, let's see. (laughs) I, hopefully I can think of a lot of moments of that. Uh, but it's hard for me. I mean, David and I, um, that's a piece where we both have high belief, um, in the strengths finder language. And so that can be a sticking point for us when we both think that we're right about something. Um, or especially not when we think, but when we feel, when we feel mm. that we're right about something, yeah, um, then it can be a hard, a hard time to, a hard thing to give up. And so, um, you know, I, I think in any collaboration there are, it's, I guess it's a, a give and take. I mean, I know it's a give and take, I guess that's, that's what you're getting at. Right. It's like, wh- where do you give and where do you take? And, yeah. um, You know, I mean, I think probably this video is a good example. Our our overview video, which is awesome, by the way, and it keeps being more awesome. um, Which is like, oh, this is so cool. This video is awesome. It looks great. And then, you know, you step in and say, yeah, but it doesn't have this feel. And what do you think about that? And I think, I mean, that's that's the beauty of true collaboration because we can get on the phone and say, this is this is my heart behind my comments and this is our, this is what we're both trying to achieve and we can just make it, make it right. And not just make it right, but make it better. You know, I mean, that's mm. what, that's the thing that is just inspiring to me to see all the different iterations of not just this, but of each collaboration, they lead to something that's better than I could have ever created on my own.
0: Yeah. If you're in a collaboration partnership and you're trying to force your ideas on everyone else, you're not really collaborating, are you?
1: Oh, no, but people think they are yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's it's not um
0: but the, the whole the whole notion of giving up the need for being right i i'll again be be open and say that's something which I flow with up and down all around at different times because it's not like hey i'm I've given up that need, I feel that need very much sometimes and other times i'll let it go, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think when you hold on to your your needs so strongly without that flexibility that leads to you know challenges not just in collaborating but in any relationship
1: yeah in every in every relationship i mean that's part of this mantra that i speak about making relationships easier through your strengths because you start to understand what needs people do bring into in, into the relationship that you don't have and that you have these other needs and so how are you getting these these needs met and sometimes it's a matter of Putting the need a little bit to the side, like you're saying. And sometimes it's a matter of me understanding as a collaborator what the needs of the person I'm collaborating with are. Um, I know that's very true. David and I work a lot together. We're uh, a a married couple working together in an entrepreneurial business. And, um, you know, Me, I'm. He will tell you I am a work in progress. But me understanding that he has specific needs, and we've been able to define those really well because we understand who we are through our Clifton strengths. So he has specific needs to have deep, meaningful one-on-one conversations. He has uh, deep needs to be able to dream big and think big and think strategically. He has needs to be able to be in charge of something, which is hard when this is a business that I started. So how do we have? How do we create um, a a segment of the org of the organization that he can really be in charge of and that he can just, that he can just do because that's important to him via via his self-assurance strength. Um, and you know, context he needs history and he needs the freedom to ask questions. So all these things that I now know are needs of him, of his, uh, to be a really true successful collaboration even between husband and wife working in a business Mm, or husband mm. and wife their relationship everyday relationship um have to not only be aware of them but be willing to sometimes put our own needs aside to um to meet the needs of the other person knowing that that we're going to get a better product or um have a a better dinner date night (laughs) because (laughs) we uh are put the needs aside um our needs aside and and stepped in to meet the needs of the other person.
0: What has strengths, <clears throat> excuse me, what has strengths meant for you as a parent?
1: Yeah, uh, it's meant everything. I think I referenced or alluded to at the beginning, I, I would be an entirely different parent if it weren't for the strengths perspective. And what I mean by that is um, I my tendency is, natural tendency is towards, uh, winning towards perfectionism, and those of especially perfectionism have been things that I have battled my entire life. Um, I didn't know I was battling them for many years. So what that means is I just let it rule. I let that perfectionism rule my excellence, rule the things that I. I was good at or decided to do or decided not to do because I thought I might not actually be perfect at that. Um, And so the strengths perspective came into our lives, let's say, let's see, about maybe three or four years before we started having kids. Mm -hmm. And I think what it did was it allowed me to start stripping that need to be perfect away, which allowed me to then be a parent that doesn't require perfection. And that isn't saying everyone needs to do and be exactly what my lens of the world is. Um, And so I I just, I'm, I'm so grateful (laughs) that that is a perspective that I got from, from before we started so that I can, you know, I'll mess our kids up, but not in that way. It'll be some other way.
0: (laughs) <clears throat> I love how, when you refer to your, your strengths, you talk about the silent number six competition <laughs> and it's coming out there. And for me, that's maximizer Maximizer's mm-hmm. not in my, in my top five, but, um, I do remember my daughter who's now 21 when she was in primary school, bringing her home, her homework. <laughs> this is pre the strengths lens in my world. And I'd say, <clears throat> Oh yes. But what about that little bit right there? Mm-hmm. And what about that bit there? And what about this bit here? And and Tammy would give me some good feedback, which is you haven't even acknowledged where the homework is at that she's done it, or what she's achieved, or, or anything. It's straight to to make it even better.
1: Yeah, which and, can feel like criticism, even oh, though it's very not much was. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so and how I could start to be aware I was doing that, and bringing this spotlight onto the way I was showing up. And actually just managing that a bit better for a better, you know, what I'd say more productive parenting.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, Yep. Absolutely. That's uh, (laughs) it's that awareness for me has been, I, I, like I said, it's been life-changing. It's been huge. It's been um, something that my kids don't know to be grateful for, but, but I know to be grateful for it. And um, certainly David does. I mean, he sees how I react and interact with the kids in a way that, just wouldn't have had access to but for really changing that perspective
0: Mm. Um, and I love when I'm working with a team or some leaders and they are integrating strengths at home to me and not not just in a tokenistic way but they're actually thinking about this approach to the relationships and the people in their lives from uh, what's right with them um, what do they bring what's strong with them like you do but I love it when people I work with do that because I know yeah. that it's not just some, some development thing that's happening in the organization, but an approach they're taking to the people they work around them and live yes. with. Yes. Yeah.
1: Totally. Totally. When people come up to me afterwards and say, after a workshop at, in a healthcare organization or wherever I am, and they say, how can my spouse take this? Or how old do you have to be to take this? I want my son to take this. Um, then I know that I've really gotten through. It's like my, it's one of my litmus tests for success. If no one comes up to me afterwards and asks me that, then I know that, um, that something didn't stick as well as I would have wanted it to. But, um, I would say so far without fail, at least one person has come up and said, let's help to help me figure out how to do this with people that matter most to me. And that, that just, um, you know, that makes my heart sing because that's where it all started with me. And I know that that's where it can really have the most impact because they're the people you know the the best and care about the most, but also tend to treat the worst. So uh, there's a lot of room for, room for impact there.
0: Yeah. So what I'll make sure in the um, show notes that there are some links to some of the different uh, strengths assessments that people can take uh, depending on their age groups. And um because they are designed for those different age ranges to help people understand their strengths based on the questions of how they might see the world at the moment. So that uh, can be very powerful from the strengths quest and strengths Explorer as well. Um, Becky, it has been absolutely awesome catching up with you and having (laughs) you on my podcast. Thank you. I want to ask you, what is your definition of inspired energy?
1: Mm, I'm glad you let me think about this because intellection number nine, I like to think about things and I do my best thinking while I'm writing. Um, and so when I think about things that are inspired, I just think that there's things that are other, other realmly, like they are things that come from another realm. They're not from, you know, the, the office floor or the ceiling fan. They are, they come from somewhere else and it's much just so much deeper and bigger even just than you as an individual um so i would say that inspired energy would be a flow that exists by way of of a deeper connection to your own spirit the spirit of god and um and then what you are able to kind of step back and step out of the way and let flow through you so that's inspired energy to me
0: oh that is beautiful i feel that Thank you for sharing that. Um, I also want to acknowledge you for um, your, your friendship and the inspired energy you bring to every interaction we have. I've known you for um, over four years and um, I value your perspective you bring to our conversations and the true way that you actually live what a strengths-based approach is about. That not just about rattling off 34 themes of strength, but you really think about what's right in other people and how you can really embrace and encourage that. And um, that inspires me to do that more in my life as well. And you are an all round in a good way. (laughs)
1: <laughs> not the like miss olympian kind of way
0: <laughs> no, not not in the the sort of blob without a skeleton type way um i mean in a all-round in so many different areas um awesome person and um you're so full of love and i i feel so appreciating so full of appreciation for our friendship so thank you
1: mm, thanks murray appreciate that 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 fills me up today
0: So if people want to follow you and the awesome stuff that you do, um, where's the best place to find you?
1: Two places. I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere you want to be, but two places (laughs) I would love for you to come and connect with me and start building community with me is um, on Instagram. And my handle there is isogostrong. So that's I-S-O-G-O. S-T-R-O-N-G, isogostrong, on Instagram. And then my website's the same way, isogostrong.com. So you can come and find out more there. I love um, producing stuff that people can use. So there's lots of resources over there. And um, I write a lot. And so there's some good stories when you feel like being inspired by um, what you are or not are, are or are not doing through your strengths. You'll be able to see what other people are doing and be inspired by that.
0: And Becky has Isogo TV, which you can access on a website, which is a awesome um, resource for a whole range of things around strengths, and also a program to help couples embrace their strengths and how they actually strengthen their relationship through their strengths.
1: Yep, yep, that's one of my virtual um, coaching offerings, and so would love to chat more with you about that. Um, Whoever's out there listening and uh, and is thinking about what this looks like in relationship, because, you know, we say make relationships easier. We're not just talking about work. We're talking about um, all those important relationships out there. Um, Like we said, we're not siloed. So we'd love to chat with you about that.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. So check that out. And if you got anything out of this episode, please tag Becky and myself and share it on social media and also use the hashtag inspired energy. Becky, again, thanks so much for your time. I'll talk to you again soon. Have an awesome rest of the day.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Marie.
0: Everyone else have an inspiring day. Go forth and um, inspire people and think about what is right with those people you interact with till next time.